Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Today we are going to talk about staffing benefit. Okay, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that it's one of those things that almost all directors come into a program and there's already, this is what the benefits are. This is what we offer and we don't even think about it. And that's just what we have and that's what we offer and the end. And I think that's a really bad idea. I think once a year you need to look at it. Anytime you're updating your standard operating procedures or doing your annual business plan, you need to be looking at this. Now, if you're not looking at your SOPs and your business plan once a year, shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. But at the very least, I need you to look at your staffing benefits and hiring rates. Like, what are you paying people? You need to look at it and make sure that it is appropriate right now based on your current staff and what you would have to hire somebody else in at if you were hiring a new person. So do you need to adjust and give more raises this year or do you need to your standard was to give everybody five percent a year and with the current economy you need to scale that back to two percent a year you should not do your benefits in any way shape or form on autopilot for an ongoing basis yes I don't want you to think about it every time you hire a new person I want there to be a structure but I want you to be looking at that structure at least once a year and I would suggest with that also make sure you're being transparent so if you're gonna make changes like going from 5% to 2% in addition to it being in your employee handbook, you know, have a staff meeting, have a phone, you know, have a conversation with folks. If you're supposed to give raises after 30 days, 90 days, six months, one year, again, have conversations and have a written plan. It doesn't mean that you have to share the written plan, but you need to be consistent. So I took on a center and I there was a person working at that center who, when I took on the center, she got two weeks of paid vacation in addition to the two weeks of paid vacation when the center was closed and she worked in the infant classroom. Okay, so she got four weeks of vacation. I just want to clarify that. Four weeks of paid vacation and one week of paid time, you know, of sick days. So wow. she had a total of five weeks because she had been with that center for a number of years. And she worked in my infant classroom. And I at first was like, how am I going to make this work financially. But then when you looked at her actual pay rate, her hourly pay rate was not that high because she'd been hired 10 years ago. And so she was hired at a pay rate from 10 years ago and had gotten annual increases, but it still wasn't what I would have to pay a new person coming in who had 10 years of experience. So when you looked at her pay rate, Carrie, what all did you look at? Did you look at her annual salary, her hourly salary? So I was looking at her package? What did you look at? So like I said, I looked at her benefits package and just about choked. (laughs) But then when I looked at that in combination with her hourly rate, it actually came out at about equal to what the relatively new hires were earning altogether. And at the time, she didn't have any children at the program. So that was great. So I didn't have any discounted childcare. I just had the five weeks of paying her to not be in the center. She then, you know, about two years later, got pregnant with a child that was more than 10 years younger than her next oldest, her next youngest child. And so we had, we looked 
looked at childcare and, you know, what did she have to pay? But I basically, I had the conversation with her and said, typically you would get 50% off for this child and that would put you at this point. I can't afford because we were in a, we were in one of those recession thingies that we've been hearing a lot about. And so I said, I can't afford to give you 50% off tuition and your annual raise. And I need you to schedule your vacation time during your maternity. She was like, great. She didn't have any problem with that because she was afraid that she wasn't, you know, that I was going to have to roll back some of her vacation. So she was very financially astute and understood. So she just didn't get a raise that year. But it was a conversation. It wasn't just me saying this is what it's going to be. Okay, so so for those who are listening who may not understand everything that you did, let's let's can we can we dial this back just a little bit more, which is when you're figuring out somebody's benefits package and you're including their hourly and you're including their vacation, how do you compare an apple to apple? What are all of the numbers? that you put together and for like somebody in this case who has a lot of vacation time do you include the cost of a substitute in what you're calling the cost of having that I don't include that but I do what I do is I do for her I did the math for what her revenue was what her gross payroll was for 52 weeks for the year. And that was a number. And then I added the training that I provided. What was the maximum I would be spending on her annual training? I put into my numbers also the meals that I provided her. I included her. So the vacation was part of that 52 weeks, right? And then I also included any other benefits like I gave everybody shirts. And we had health insurance and we had vision and dental. So all of that. And when I put in the the insurances, I put in all of the employer contributions to that. So that's usually 80% of the total cost of that benefit. And if that person has discounted childcare, I put the full value of the discount that they get. So if they were, for easy math, if it was $1,000 a month and they got 50% off of that, that's 500 a month times 12 months, which is $6,000. So that goes into the spreadsheet as well. And when I make an offer, I put all that in there when I'm offering somebody a job. Okay. So when you said you inherited people, if I remember right, you actually made everybody re-interview. And so everybody got this new offer. So they all saw this all spelled out. So just for my sake, I'm just going to play with some numbers just so people can hear me say it. So let's just say that you had somebody who worked, who got paid $10 an hour at, and she worked 40 hours a week. And regardless of how many hours of vacation she got or sick days or whatever, her cost to your program was 52 weeks, right? So if she's a, if she's a, if she's an annual salaried person. So I think this is really important for folks to think about when they're looking at making offers. There is a lot to be said about doing this as an annual salary, because I don't know about you, but I get people who would come in and go, oh, well, I can make $15 an hour over at Flippin' Burgers at P. Terry's, or I can make X Okay, my problem is, hang on, you used the word salary, and we're talking hourly, so I just, for legal purposes, it is an annual benefits package. Okay, yes. So annual rate, yes. 
So if, and that's, and so it makes sure that when you're talking to them that you do explain that this is what their benefits would be for the year. Because when they start looking at $10 an hour, they don't often think about the vacation time and they don't often think about the that discounted childcare. And so... Even the training they don't think about. Well, yeah, training, uniforms, all of that. Um, which again, if they're switching industries, some of that doesn't apply. So, right, but they would have to pay full rate childcare. Right. So... I get a, I used to get a lot of people that would come in and, and want more pay because, well, they can just go over to, to this restaurant and make $12 an hour, or they can go to this retail place and make $13 an hour. But when I had conversations with them and kind of did what you did as far as explain the money part, they would forget about the vacation and they would forget about the childcare. So if you are not doing a written offer to your staff, please make sure you do a written offer and keep a copy of it somewhere so that you know what you've told them and dated. I'd even have them probably sign it so that there is a basically an acknowledgement that they saw this piece of paper and that they saw this offer. I mean, they can take a copy, but I'd like them to yeah, sign it. Absolutely. Um, as, as and well. I think a lot of centers say, well, I can only afford to pay $10 an hour. And so I'm giving people free childcare because it's all I can do. Okay. If that is a thousand dollars a month slot, if somebody is paying tuition, then you have just given them $12,000. So I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to take out a calculator. I, I've okay, already done ahead. it. It's, it, it's an, it's over an additional $6 an okay. hour. So if they take a thousand dollars slot a month, you're giving them, instead of paying them at $10 an hour, you're paying them at $16 an hour if they were going to be the butt in the seat. So you need to make sure that you're doing that math. So I am a math person when it comes to butts in the seats, kids in the classroom, and, and programs understanding you know, I had one program that really, you know, they had done their budget, they had done this great job, but they couldn't figure out why they couldn't make ends meet. And we started looking at the amount of discounted free childcare. And, you know, they were giving away almost 25% of their full-time equivalents in discounted childcare, which meant that doing their budget at 80% <laughs> occupancy, they were never going to be able to yeah. pay their bill. And bills. okay, so say it's not a $1,000 slot. Say it's a $150 a week slot. If they're working full time, it's $3.75 an hour. So instead of $10, they're making almost $14. But how many of the staff who are getting your discounted childcare are working 40 hours a week? What I hate from a budget perspective is the person who is working 23 hours a week and getting 50% or 100% off their tuition. Because if you do it that way, it's double <laughs> the amount of hourly benefit. So instead of taking them to $16 an hour for that person to take in the $1,000 slot, if they're only working 20 hours a week, they're getting $22 an hour. And that's if you offer no other benefits. You don't offer health insurance. You don't offer that you pay for all of their training. You don't offer uniforms. You don't offer transportation. You, you know, all the other things that we do, even if all you're giving is 
is free childcare for $1,000 and they're working 20 hours a week, they are getting paid $22 an hour. And I will bet you that the director is not getting paid $22 an hour. Absolutely. So definitely, um, if you haven't done this on every staff person, I would do it today. (laughs) I think it is well worth it for you as the director or owner to make sure you are very aware what your staff costs you. And the reason we really push this, you looking at this is because we both have run into scenarios, both personally and with clients that we've worked with, that folks are struggling to hire. They're struggling to look at their budgets. And, you know, if you have staff that have multiple children or staff that work part-time, but the kids are there full-time, which is kind of what Carrie was talking about, you know, it might be different if they're, you know, they're only, they're part-time because then they're only getting a part-time But do you have somebody, depending on how your program have somebody for the other half of that slot. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a match and and that might be a, a real interesting topic. The more the, the more <laughs> to I've about. thought about this, the more I think what makes sense is to say that you have x amount of discounted childcare for the year and put a dollar figure on it because if you hired that college student and part of what you decided you could pay them was based on the fact that they weren't going to require discounted childcare and they were still on their parents' health insurance and all those other cost-saving elements of hiring a person who is 21. What do you do if that 21-year-old gets married and ha- or just becomes pregnant? Or, you know, if it's a male staff person, their partner becomes pregnant. Now you're paying that person more because they were cheaper, (laughs) but now they're really, really expensive because they were higher per hour. Plus, now they have the discounted childcare. So putting the benefits package together at the time of hire and saying you have up to $6,000 in discounted childcare for the year, then it doesn't matter whether they currently have children or they never have children or their children are school-aged or whatever, or they have grandchildren. They can use up to that $6,000. They can't use more. If they have 12 children who all want to come to their your center, they each get $50. <laughs> okay, so here's a so here's a question with that. Let's say because I've had this discussion, it kind of goes with the whole you know back in the day when smokers would want to to go take a smoke break, and you know they'd end up with two hours a day of breaks, and everybody else had thirty minutes. If you are a college student who doesn't have children, are you paid? You know that that six. You know, do you have that six thousand dollar difference? I mean, do you get some sort of you know I don't have children pay rate because you know people do even though people should not be talking about their pay rates. You know, again, this is one of those things to make sure as a director that you're really clear on why you've how you've come up with what you've come up with because if you have two people who have a conversation who feel like they have the same background and they're making the same pay but one's getting a free child, if anybody's getting a smart they're going to pretty much feel like you know hey wait a minute she's got a free child and I'm making the same she does and I see downsides to that uh, and that's why I gave the example of you know this is a 20 year old or 21 I think is what I said who you paid slightly higher because they did not have that added expense of the discounted childcare. but we have no way to prove that they're not going to become pregnant tomorrow or if they're a man that their partner is not going to become pregnant tomorrow and you 
you can't hire somebody and give them a higher pay rate because they are gay, because that way they're not going to have children. I mean, you can't, that is discrimination on either side. So it's discriminatory. Well, and it's also making a huge assumption and it's making a huge assumption. I mean, I have, you know, friends who, you know, are gay with four kids. I have friends who both women have been pregnant and have had children in their marriage. I mean, it's, you know. So you can't discriminate and pay somebody more because they don't have children and you can't discriminate and pay somebody less because they don't, because they do have children. That's why you want the benefits package to reflect everything. You also can't pay somebody more or less because they are on their parents' health insurance. And so you're not going to have to be paying their health insurance premium. Their package has to be a package for them if they used all of the benefits you offer. IBM does not hire their software developers and pay them differently based on what is happening or has happened in somebody's uterus. That's not how they work. And you can't do that either. You have to hire, you have to put that package together based on what you had previously set up as this is the pay scale, this is the benefits scale for that position. So if somebody is a floater, what is the least amount you're gonna pay somebody to be a floater? And if somebody comes in and wants to just work a floater shift and they are Mary Poppins with a PhD in child development, what is the most you would pay Mary Poppins for that position? I'm not gonna pay $15 an hour for a floater position. I'm just not gonna do it. So what is the most you would pay that floater? And then when you're hiring somebody and I'm not going to give them full benefits and a free child and all of that because a floater is not working 40 hours a week. So at 20 hours a week, which is what most floaters work is somewhere 20 to 30 hours, they're going to get some childcare benefit. They're going to get, you know, whatever you do as far as your insurance. And that has to be a range from the person who is just 18 and passed a background check (laughs) through a Mary Poppins with a PhD in child development. What is the least and the most pay package, benefits package that you would do for that position? So it's not determined by what has or has not happened with a uterus. Does that make, am am I being too too rough there? (laughs) So no, I think it's a great, great example. Um, I encourage people to put this together in their uh, standard operating procedures or even um, have a have a very clear chart on education and training and experience and how all of that plays out. And if you don't have something like that and you need some help, give us a call, uh, send us an email, get in touch with us, let us help you make sure that you've got all your assets covered because this is something that, that can easily backfire on you, can put you in a situation where you feel pressured to give some additional benefits or money because you hadn't thought about it all the yeah. way through. And um, so we're hoping that that today's podcast kind of help you A, go, okay, when's the last time I reviewed this? And B, do I have a clear process or is it just kind of my gut, right? Or and what putting they ask some for? mileposts inside that, that benefits package range. So if you're a lead teacher and you have a CD 
CDA, sorry, a CDA, then the minimum you're going to earn is X and the minimum amount of benefits you're going to get is Y, but that requires Z. So in order to have the title of lead teacher, you have to be working at least 35 hours a week, say that's, you know, and it means you're going to be doing these things, you know, creating the lesson plans, communicating with parents, interacting on whatever, you know, app you guys are using. And those are required to be called a lead teacher. And if you have a CDA, your minimum hourly rate is X. And because you're working 35 hours, that means your childcare benefit is Y <laughs> and your health insurance benefit, you know, you're over at 35, you're pretty much in any situation going to be qualified for any insurance that's available. So that all is in there. This is one of those you know, spots in the lead teacher, you're not going to get paid under X because you have a CDA and then an associate's degree and then a bachelor's degree in a unrelated field and a bachelor's degree in a related field. You know, you can have all of those as markers in that thing. And somebody can earn the, the bachelor's degree rate, <laughs> even though they just have a CDA, that is saying that that's the minimum that they're going to get. I was going to say, yeah. So you need to also make sure that in your chart, you've also included experience as potential substitution. So somebody may not have a CDA, but maybe they have 15 years in childcare. So they've been doing their annual training for 15 right. years. Absolutely. So they probably could qualify for a CDA, but they, for whatever reason, weren't directed that way. Or maybe they had one and they couldn't get the official CEUs to keep it yeah. or whatever those things are. So please make sure that when you're thinking about the chart, always have experience experience translations if you um, can also if you're a head if a, if you're a head start program you can't swap them out and in some states you can't no but a head but right in a head start program though they're also they've probably pretty much handed you everything you're going to get to do <laughs> you don't have any say over your but benefits there are package, states so. where you can't have the title of a lead teacher without having certain paperwork behind you absolutely so all right well that is today's podcast and we look forward to talking to y'all next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.